that's exactly the point that I want us to look at today, okay? So let's just take a second. Let's just simply talk to God for a second. And then we'll look at two, what I hope to be, very memorable points to help you just keep this thought in your mind. Let's talk to the Lord. Father, again, thank you so much for all that you do in our lives. And thank you, God, just how you love us and you have laid out your truth. Your ways are not our ways. Your thoughts are not our thoughts. They're much greater. They're much higher. Yet still, you loved us so much. Just as we worshiped you and sang those truths to you from our heart, God, there is no greater love than what you've done for us and just made available the eternal riches of heaven for us today. And I just pray, God, that as we walk through these things, that you would help us, that you'd help us to understand what you have made available. You, you are available to us every moment of every day, no matter where we are, no matter where we go, no matter what we do. Thank you for that. And I pray you would just speak to each and every one of our hearts. And I pray you would help each and every one of us just understand exactly the specific application you want us to take away from this today. And we want to thank you in advance for what you're going to do. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. All right. The first thing, memorable application, okay, is we have got to come out of the closet. That's what we got to do. We got to come out of the closet. Now, obviously not the way popular social culture of today uses that terminology, right? To just somehow unashamedly flaunt a very sinful, non-biblical lifestyle. That's not at all, of course, what we're talking about. Rather than, let's consider what we are talking about. Let's start in Matthew chapter 6, shall we? Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 6. You've got to understand, Jesus Christ says this, But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Okay? So we're talking about a prayer closet. I don't ever go into my closet to pray. Nevertheless, that's kind of what he's talking about. So now you're probably thinking, okay, Jesus said, go into the closet. Jeff said, come out of the closet. I'm going with Jesus. Okay, I I get it. The point is this. John, uh, excuse me, Matthew chapter 6 has a context like every passage of Scripture. And the context in Matthew chapter 6 is, in contrast to the Pharisees, don't be a hypocrite. Don't do all your praying publicly in front of everyone else in order to be seen, in order to be praised for how wonderfully you know how to pray. Okay, don't do that, but rather make your prayer very personal. Make it very real. Make it just between you and God, not for the whole world to hear and applaud how, how skillful you are at oration. Okay? And so it's just, ha- it's just an issue of being very personal. Now listen, without question, there is a time when we all should take some time to get alone in a very quiet place and, and, and just remove all distractions and turn the cell phones off and just get alone with God and pour out our heart to him. The Lord Jesus Christ did that very thing. If you went a little further down in Matthew's gospel, in chapter number 14 and verse number 23, it says this, and when he, Jesus, had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray, and when the evening was come, he was there alone. 
And certainly that's fine, that's wonderful, that's great. There's everything right about doing that, but would you agree with me today that it is virtually impossible, if not for sure just impossible, forget the virtually, to do that kind of praying without ceasing? Would you agree? Uh, They'll fire you from your job, okay? If a man doesn't provide for his own, he's worse than an infidel, right? right? And so he's denied the faith. So, I mean, you can't do that. And so in order to understand the context, in order to put this all together, we're emphasizing this without ceasing thing. And so if you're going to pray without ceasing, would you agree with me that you have to come out of the closet every once in a while? In other words, there's nothing wrong with praying in the closet. There's, no, there's, there's everything right with having quiet, special times to get alone with God. But prayer has to be more than that, and that's my whole point. Your prayer life with God has to be able to take you out of the special times and places where you're just all alone. And maybe some of you are here and you never even cultivate a time all alone with God, and you should do that, Okay. But praying without ceasing is just a simple conversation that goes on with God from morning to night, day to day, and that's what he really desires from us, okay? And so I have helped you with a little definition. And in your notes I say this, without ceasing, what does that really mean? Without ceasing means constantly recurring, not constantly occurring. In other words, pray without ceasing does not mean that you never stop talking to God, in other words, you, can never, you can't talk to anybody else. You can't go anywhere else. You can't do anything else. That's not what it means. What it means is, is that it's constantly recurring. And when I say constantly recurring, I mean constantly, not just, like, you could say, well, I could revisit my private closet time of prayer regularly. Yes, regularly is not constantly. You can't constantly be privately alone from the rest of the world. But you can constantly be in conversation with God, can you not? Wherever you are, whatever you do. And that's what I want us to see. It's just an open, running conversation that we have with the Lord at any moment of any day at any time. My favorite Bible illustration of this is the story of Nehemiah. Do you know the story of Nehemiah? Now, Nehemiah serves the Persian king, Artaxerxes. Uh, This is probably 150 to 200 years after the Jews go into captivity. The captivity is officially over and the Jews are free to begin to go back to their nation. Nehemiah remains and is this cup bearer. Okay, he serves the king's table with wine and drink and whatnot. He was probably the taste tester to make sure that the king's food wasn't poisoned. Nehemiah had a very personal one-on-one time to be able to be right in front of the king regularly. Nehemiah gets word that back in Jerusalem, that the city is torn down and it's been burned and the walls are broken down and Nehemiah is moved greatly personally. He spends time praying to God privately. But it just has affected him. It's affected his countenance. It's affected how he looks. And and he's just sad. But Nehemiah's got a job, kind of like all of us. You're sad, you're upset about what might be going on, but you gotta go to work. So he goes to work and he's in front of the king and it's obvious that something's bothering him. And so he's before the king and the king then sees Nehemiah, and I'm sure they're friends, and and he says, hey, what's wrong? Why are you so sad? And Nehemiah tells him, he's like, look, my homeland, and he tells the whole story about how Jerusalem's in shambles and how everything is torn down, and he says, "It it just grieves me. And the king looks at Nehemiah, and he says, what do you want to do? 
And so look with me in Nehemiah 2. Again, it should pop up on the screen for you. Verse number four. The king said unto me, for what dost thou make request? And check it out. So I prayed to the God of heaven. Now, the Bible doesn't really tell us. We can't know 100% for sure exactly how that went down. But I got a funny feeling what Nehemiah did not do. He's standing in front of the king who rules the greatest kingdom on the face of planet Earth at this point in time in history. And the king that has more power in the stroke of a pen than any human being on the planet at this time says to Nehemiah, his friend, what do you want me to do to help you out? Nehemiah likely did not say, hey, hey, hang on just a sec. Oh, God in heaven. He may have. I doubt it. The king is waiting for an answer. He's a servant to the king. And it says, so I pray to the God of heaven. And then he gave the king his answer. He said, well, what I'd like to do is I'd like to have a leave of absence. I'd like to go back. I'd like to gather a team. I'd like to rebuild the walls. And that's what the book of Nehemiah is all about. I want you to consider the fact that what Nehemiah did was exactly what we're looking at at 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, praying without ceasing, having a constant running conversation in the background with God at any instant of any day for any occasion. And the king of the greatest kingdom on earth at that time says, what do you need from me? Nehemiah's like, oh Lord, I need something quick. And then he gave his answer. And that conversation with God might have lasted just a few seconds. I don't know. Probably didn't last very long. The king is waiting. The king is waiting. And that's what Nehemiah did. Nehemiah just laid it out there. That's what we're talking about. So what I want for us to understand today, and this is a very simple application, and it's this, it's in your notes. Quit making prayer something that requires a special location. Quit making prayer something that requires a special location. You don't have to have a closet. You can talk to God anywhere. You can talk to God at any time, okay? I mean, face it, God is omnipresent, is he not? That means he's everywhere all the time at the same time. So wherever you are, there he is too. (laughs) And he's with you. And Psalm 139 is probably as good of a place as any. I mean, even it says, if I make my bed in Sheol and in hell, that God is there with me. I mean, God, you can't escape the presence of God if you wanted to. He's everywhere you are, right? And so that's an important thing. Coming out of any particular location as the place of prayer. Well, if we're going to come out of the closet, we might expand that thought into also, well, let's just come out of the church too. Because the Bible most specifically does tell us how the church should be right? A house of prayer. For example, in Matthew chapter 21, Jesus himself, right? He said, he said unto them, it is written, my house shall be called the house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves, right? So in that context, it was the temple, but we could make a comparison to the church of today. And and certainly the church of Jesus Christ today should be known for the characteristic that this is where people come. This is where people can pray, But certainly this should not be the totality of what our prayer life with God is all about. Would you agree? I mean, if we're going to communicate with God, we shouldn't have to come to this address, right? Or any particular location. Quit quit making prayer something that is location specific. 
and just constantly and regularly carry on your conversation with the Lord. That's what he wants us to do. I mean, the church should be known for prayer, but certainly you can't think that praying in the temple, in the church, is, is, is possible without ceasing. Because you're not here all the time. You're not here all the time. So what do you do when you're not here? Well, I gotta hang, I can't wait till Sunday. I really need to talk to God. No, of course not. Of course not. That's a different, again, there's nothing wrong with that. Of course we pray when we're together. It's just a different application. The underlying foundation of our communication with God has got to be just a part of our daily life all the time, constantly, and regularly. Yes, then it will pop up in private places. Yes, it will pop up as we meet corporately together, and that's a wonderful expression. It'll pop up in all kind of different ways. But if we don't have that baseline personal conversation that never stops with God, you know what? All the other stuff just becomes a very religious ritual, does it not? You show up for a prayer meeting. And by the way, we do those, and that's fine. But it, it understands or, or it, it assumes the fact that everyone who shows up probably has a regular prayer life on their own. They probably do. So you know what? I believe that if we would do that, if we would do the prayer without, pray without ceasing thing right, that you know what's going to happen? When we meet together corporately to pray, uh, more people will do that. <laughs> more people will meet together to pray corporately, because there is something special about doing that. Oh, by the way, you will also find time to be all alone with God without distraction. Why? Because you understand there's value in that too. But if you don't just have this running conversation, a normal part of your life, probably all those other things are going to be a stretch for you. And so that's why I want you to think about it this way. Come out of the closet. Take prayer with you wherever you go. So, okay, we got that. What's the other memorable way that we can think about this? And, and, and I put it this way. Develop your own personal prayer language. Now, when I say develop your own personal prayer language, some of you immediately had your mind go to something different. And what I don't mean is what some people have were already thinking about. What I don't mean is some sort of a, uh, typically associated with like Pentecostal type churches where there is some sort of non-actual language, an ecstatic utterance or gibberish, something that comes out of you that is not controlled by the individual, sometimes referred to as unknown tongues. I'm not talking about that, okay? There's people who would refer to that. That's not what I'm talking about, okay? Because when you talk about those issues of unknown tongues in 1 Corinthians 14, it's a whole other Bible study. Paul is very clear, don't do that, okay? Don't do that. And so that's not what I'm talking about, but I use the phrase to have your mind go somewhere, and I'm trying to teach us something. So what, what, what exactly do I mean? Well, what I do mean is very simple. This is a very simple message today in, in, uh, intending to be very encouraging and uplifting for you to develop pillars in your life. And, and the thing I want you to get is this. There is no official way to talk to God. There's no official way. There's no official language for you to pray. Uh, it's just talking to God. You know, I, I've been, this, this month um, I marked my 30th, anniversary in Jesus Christ. I like that. Um, over the last 30 years of knowing the Lord, um, I, you know, I've seen some stuff. I've seen some people, you know, do some interesting stuff, and um, I've done some interesting stuff. Um, some people enjoy praying in King James. They just enjoy that. I don't get it. 
I like reading that Bible. I love reading that Bible. Um, but people who pray in King James typically, right, don't talk in King James. Right? They don't talk that way unless they talk to God. And there's just something in their mind. I'm not, I'm not making fun of them. It's just, it's just interesting to me. There, and there's just something in their minds that, you know, God bless them. That's God's language. I'm going to speak to God in his language. Uh, I think God probably speaks all languages. So, you know, uh, just something to think about. But some people do that, okay? And, and, and all I'm trying to point out is, is that they change their language to talk to God. I always thought that was curious. Uh, my wife, many of you all know that my wife is from the country of Albania. When she prays to God, she's most comfortable praying in Albanian. Uh, you know what? God speaks Albanian. Oh, oh, by the way, God speaks King James. Well, he does. It's cool, man. I mean, if that's your thing, amen, he speaks King James. So that's fine. I mean, that's his thing. That's your thing. That's cool. Uh, he speaks Albanian. Absolutely. Thank God, right? He speaks all the different languages of the people, whatever it is. Um, the, the younger adult culture uh, typically tends to work their way into a language. Let me just step over here a little bit, right? into a language that's a little more modern, maybe a little more slang-based, right? So maybe some of you mature adult Christians have been around younger Christians who, when they talk to God, they, they might use, and I won't even do this right because I'm not cool enough, but, you know, I mean, they'll just be like, talk to God, man, dude, you know, and they're talking to God, you know? Okay? Before we get twisted about that, People get twisted about that. I get it. It seems irreverent. I get it. What if that young person is a brand new believer? What if they just love God? And they're just trying. They're just trying to talk to him. Is that okay? It's okay with me. And you think, well, I wish they'd grow up and talk to him like I do in King James or whatever. Okay. (laughs) All right. Maybe pray for him. Just pray for him. Pray for him in King James, man. Maybe it'll work. But you know what? I mean, it's just, it, it's curious to me. This whole deal is curious to me because, by the way, the slang thing, regardless of what your opinion is about that, um, God speaks that too. He speaks that too. And that's important for you to understand. There's no official way. Man, just talk to God. I mean, just make it real. I mean, make it you, Right? Make it who you are. Make it your expression of who you are. Should you be respectful? Of course, it's the God of the universe. And, and people who might, you know, think that that's just not right, with all due respect, just, I mean, one of the arguments might be, well, you know what, look, you wouldn't, these young people would not, if they had an appointment with the President of the United States, they would not talk to him that way. Okay, maybe not. But can I just offer for you to consider that the President of the United States is also not my personal friend? I'm not making a political statement. I just don't know him. He doesn't know me. Jesus is. He's my personal friend. And do you realize that, for example, you can go back to the very beginning. In Exodus, God meets with Moses on Mount Sinai, right? Exodus 33, the Lord spake unto Moses face to face, as a man speaketh unto his friend. 
And yes, he is the creator, ruler of the universe, the omnipotent everything who gave his life so that we could be family. And when you're family, you have the ability to kick off your shoes. I think he told him to do that. And just talk to him. Just talk to him. And so there's no official way. In John chapter 15, one of the songs we sang was based out of this. Greater love hath no man than this. Verses 13 to 15. That a man lay down his life for his friends. And then this amazing statement. Can you imagine Jesus Christ saying to you, you are my friends. If you do whatsoever I command you, henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends. For all things that I heard of my Father I have made known unto you. So before, when we said, look, quit making prayer something that requires a special location, here I'm going to say, quit making prayer something that requires a special language. Quit thinking that I got to go to a place to talk to God. I got to use certain terminology to talk to God. Let's just talk to God more. How about that? How about we just bring him into our conversation all the time, every day, regularly? And in so doing, you know what's going to happen? You'll pray more. God will do more. You'll recognize it more. You'll get answers more. And all kind of great stuff's going to start to happen. Because the goal is constantly recurring, with, without ceasing, right? Conversation with God all throughout the day. All throughout the day. It's not about any specific words. It's not about how it sounds. It is all about just being conscious of the fact that God is omnipresent. He's omniscient. That means he knows everything. He's with you everywhere all the time. He's interested in your life. He wants you to pray about everything. And that's what it says in Philippians 4 and verse 6 in your notes. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto God. In everything thing and so there's nothing too big there's nothing too small listen teenagers y'all have got this skill down and the rest of us could do well to learn from y'all okay because here's one thing i've learned about y'all not a lot a little bit i got okay if there's teenagers over here pretend you're over here y'all with the texting deal have got the the skill of this multitasking. You can carry on conversations with your friends while you're doing other stuff, right? You could be in class, you could be doing homework, you could be doing other things, TV. You got three, four things going on and you got this going constantly. You got the background convo the whole time, right? So you got the skill set, right? All we're saying is you apply that to prayer with God and that's exactly what we're talking about. We're talking about a background conversation, that continues while you're doing the other things that you're doing in life, see? And if you do that, by the way, teens or or whatever our age group might be, if you do that, it'll help you. Because while you're approached with all of the temptations and all of the things that this world has to throw to you or or up at you, um, if you've got this background conversation with God going on, you think that he's not going to remind you about what's a good choice and what's a bad choice? He's absolutely going to help you with that. He absolutely is. And, oh, by the way, He's, he's smarter than smartphones 
I mean, you don't have to text. You could just, he could just think it. And he's like, I got it. I mean, just think it. It's the coolest thing in the world. You don't have to say it out loud. And so you just pray about everything. And you know what? We need to seriously consider praying about things that are way too big and impossible because nothing's impossible with God. And you know what? We need to consider praying about things that are just really small and insignificant because are they insignificant? I mean, are the little things of life, so so let's just say, for example, that we want to be like Nehemiah and somebody comes up to you and just says something. You like what he said, you don't like what he said, you're challenged, you've got a decision to make, it's on the spot, you don't have time. Just pray real quick. See what God will give you. Maybe it's clear, maybe it's not clear. I don't know. I got a funny feeling the more you do it, the more you'll understand when God is trying to lead you to make a, a certain act or decision. Uh, maybe you're at a restaurant. Maybe, um, you know, you're, maybe you would actually pray about how much of a tip should I leave? Maybe you're praying about should I leave a tip? <laughs> maybe the waitress is a single mother and she's struggling and maybe can't get by. I don't know. I mean, there's just, just why, why is there anything too small? God says in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your request known unto him. That's how he wants us to live. That's how we should live. And we should bring everything before him and just include him. He just wants to be our life in everything that we do. And when you do that and you see that things happen according to your conversation, is your faith not stimulated? Do you not realize God is listening? Do you not understand now, maybe like you would not have if you weren't praying, that God is actually involved in your daily life? By the way, he's involved in your daily life. But if you're not talking to him, you just don't know it. But he's involved. He really, really is. And so we bring our request before him. Guys, if you're married or, or, or not, but if, if you've had, you know, a love of your life at some point, and for a lot of us who are married, you know, when you first started dating and getting to know her, and, you know, she's wonderful. And, you know, way back then, you know, we had telephones that were stuck on the wall. And had a little curly cord, and if you're lucky, your parents had the cord that was long enough to walk out of the kitchen, you know, and shut the door on the cord and pinch it so you could talk kind of privately to your girlfriend or whatever with, a, you know, the dial thing. And the, it's an antique. You go to an antique store, maybe find one. <laughs> the point is, we get on the phone with your girlfriend because you just love her. You're just like, man, you just, and you just don't have nothing to say. You know, you hang up. No, you hang up. You hang up. No, you hang up. You know, you, you don't care if you got anything to say or not, but you don't want to hang up because you just appreciate the fact that the one that you love is there on the other side. You know, that's the way God thinks about you. That's how he thinks of you. And that's how he wants you to think of him. He wants you to think of him that way. You just love him so much. He's just always there. And you may not always have something specific to say, and it doesn't have to be profound, and it don't have to be cool and smooth. He's just there. And he knows it. And you know it. And it's important. Listen, praying without ceasing, it's a pillar. It's a pillar for your Christian life. If it's not a part of your Christian life, the roof is a little, it's starting to squeak just a little. And stuff just might start to crash down on you if you don't fortify the pillar. You've got to make this something in your life that is a support. It's a guide. It's a way to just remember that God loves you and he just wants to be a part of you. This is a very simple message today, but I think we get so caught up in the details of a very busy life 
and we think about prayer meetings or not or whatever all our Christian duties are and we forget the fact that God is just with us everywhere all the time, every minute and just wants to be included. Let's just bring him in. And when that happens, what you're going to see again is you will pray privately more. You really will. You'll be like, dang, this works. I'm going to get alone with God and ask him about the big stuff or whatever, however it plays out for you. Uh, you know what? Your faith is going to increase. Uh, we have to pray by faith. Listen, there's a thousand things we can learn about prayer. But we have, to, we have to pray by faith. Listen, our faith is going to increase as we see God answer the things that we've been asking him for, is it not? We're going to come together as a body and say, man, he's been working in my life in these small things. Let's all come together and ask him for some great things. And you'll do that more. I mean, you'll start to pray for things that are actually like Jesus prayed in that prayer that he taught us, you know, uh, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, give this day our daily, that whole thing in Matthew 6. When Jesus starts out that prayer, I don't know if you ever noticed it or not, but he starts out with, Lord, make your name holy and pray for my kingdom. And then we'll get around to you and your daily bread. Maybe if we just talk to God more, maybe we'll start praying about kingdom things more rather than just our laundry list of needs, which, by the way, they're real. Include him, for sure. But if you pray more, you're kind of like, oh, yeah, we've talked about all my laundry list. I know we need that. You know and I know. Okay, I'm going to trust you with it. How about getting the gospel around the world? How about my neighbor who doesn't know you? And start talking about stuff like that. Praying without ceasing will lead you to those points in your life. And you know what? If you're praying without ceasing, there's no need for a particular time or place or language or any of those things, yet you just might find yourself making time for some particular times and places, maybe not the language, to just get along with God and to just really pour out your heart and see him do stuff you'll probably be more thankful because as he's doing stuff, you're like, wow, God, thanks. That's awesome what you did. I don't deserve it, and you're so good to me. I just included a little quote in your notes. I just thought it was interesting. John Owen, he was a Puritan a couple centuries ago, and he who prays as he ought will endeavor to live as he prays. That'll help you. That'll help you in your life. I don't know how God has chosen to speak to your hearts in this last 45 minutes. But however he's chosen to speak to your hearts, I pray that you will just be open to it. Just be willing. Just let him do his work in you. Remember who he is. He's the creator, yes, but he's the savior who died. He gave his life so that you could be together. And he did that so that you could enjoy a daily, minute-by-minute relationship with him. And don't put that aside for something else. Take advantage of it. It's to our advantage. It's the greatest thing in the world. And so you know what? I don't know what's on your heart. Uh, we're all going to pray together. And whatever God would have for you, whatever you think he's leading you to do, I just encourage you, just surrender it to him. Just surrender it to him. Let's pray.